Welcome back to the Happiest Ever After podcast. Today is a beautiful episode with my friend Sergio. He shares with us so openly his story of coming out. Every story is going to be unique, but there's so many lessons to learn. From this conversation, I learned so much about how challenging it can be with all of the pressures of being the perfect child as his parents viewed him. And as we often see other people's lives, and at the same time, some of those truths that he spoke about resonated so deeply with some of the truths in my own life, and I think that they'll resonate with you too. So now, on to the episode. Welcome. I know that I say this a lot, but every time I honestly mean it. You are in for a special treat. Oh my gosh. I am so thrilled today to have Sergio Zapata, who was born in Bogota, Colombia. He immigrated with his family to the US when he was 9 years old. He was raised in a conservative Christian household in which he had to confront some essential truths about himself. Eventually, he came to accept these truths after moving to New York City to find peace and study architecture. And over the past 12 plus years, he's pursued his architecture career in the New York area and become an advocate for mental and spiritual health by living his life loud and proud. And currently, he is in Manhattan with his partner Paul, living his happiest ever after. Welcome Sergio. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here, and I'm super excited to see what what comes out of this, you know, when we do podcasts like you never you I'm always so surprised to see what comes out and it's always pleasant and with you conversations flow so great that how could I say no <laughs> oh i thank you thank you i appreciate that i know i love how you do just let yourself go into the flow i feel that's part of your genius but i also know that it's not always an easy thing to go into the flow especially with your family of origin moving here being an immigrant family being the you're the only son aren't you I'm actually not no I oh. I am the middle child of 3 yeah oh right I have an older brother and a younger sister um and I was the middle child who was supposed to be perfect <laughs> <laughs> yeah That's so funny because I've known you and I knew you had a sister but I didn't realize you had an older brother as well. Yeah, I don't speak much about him um because it's I don't really have that much of a close relationship with him and it's very interesting my sister's always very present by my brother. I mean, people are always surprised that I don't really talk much of him. Um but it's he actually makes a very big part of what I am now and who I am up to this point because he influenced so much of my life uh without even him knowing uh he was early on in his age diagnosed with lupus and the care and love that was given and poured to his to at his young age um being that we're 2 years apart um affected part of how I viewed the world you know it was it's it's interesting that with your older brother being sick and having moments of you know 
just being the person that's looking on the sidelines, how much care and need he just, he needed, um, it puts you in a very awkward position of just making sure that, I mean, at least for me in my mind, it was just, I have to make sure I'm the one that's bringing the happiness to my parents, my family and being this perfect child. <laughs> so peripherally, he influenced my life greatly. But I really, I guess, yeah, I don't really talk much about him, but he definitely is a person that has influenced my life without him knowing. And I feel like to this day, he doesn't even recognize that and realize how much he's he's affected my life. Yeah. As a young child, we set these beliefs about what our role is in our family, who we have to be. And I can imagine the immense pressure of having an older sibling who has such legitimate needs because of a, a health concern. Correct. And so you wanting to ease the pain by being perfect and trying to be perfect. Oh boy. Yeah, I mean, it's, isn't that interesting how in childhood, we all kind of take different approaches depending on our temperament, our personalities, our way of, of seeing the world, and obviously our experiences. For me, it became so essential to be the person that would bring peace and, and, and happiness and joy and all the things that possibly at the time my brother could not fulfill. I felt the responsibility to be that for my parents and for my brother and sister. And in midst of that, you know, you put yourself aside and you have to wow. respond for others. So it becomes an incredible sense of responsibility in which you're sacrificing yourself for the sake of the group. And that becomes a trend throughout your life. And then you start seeing how much that affects the coming relationships, the experiences that you have in your life later on as an adult. And possibly one of the reasons why I don't really mention him much is because I constantly have that in my mind of how how much it all affected me. So it's like you don't want to revisit that memory of what, what he is in your life, which is, it's very interesting. I really have nothing against him and we, we talk and I love him as my brother. But it's also hard to have a relationship with him because given that lupus is a disease that is not necessarily affecting your mind, it's your, it's your body, but emotionally, he went through a period where he had to have to let go of all these grief and pain from his life. And the way that he would take it out was by, you know, bringing me down by treating me in a certain way that it was, you know, verbal, I guess, abuse, or I mean, I don't want to make myself a victim of him, but his anger and frustration towards life was projected to me. And I always had to be the stronger person, the more mature. I have a memory of my, my grandmother and my mom, actually, my grandmother, my mother and my father being the ones to tell me, you have to understand that he has a condition and you have to be grown and you have to understand you're a lot smarter than him. And even to this day, when I bring up these things to them, they're like, but it was true. He was going through something. He, he had this condition inside of me, I think. But what about me? I was also another human being that had mm -hmm. to, you know, fend for myself and be and grow up really fast and become the adult really fast and take the place of my brother because he couldn't be the older brother. And then by the time my sister came, which was, I mean, I was seven years old, my brother was nine, and he had already two years of lupus. Um, it was just like another part of like, I have to be this person for my younger sister. So you become responsible and you grow up really fast. <laughs> you know? 
<laughs> you you have to like end up being the older brother, the smarter one, the one that, you know, it's the pride of the family. And then you start suppressing a lot of who you are in order to fulfill what the needs of others. Yeah. Oh my gosh. There's so much there. <laughs> And this is the thing is that as children, we don't know exactly who we are and how we fit in the world. We come into a family and everything that we're told become part of our beliefs. But there's also this essence of who we are that's inside us trying to come out a seedling that's hiding under a rock that's trying to reach the sunshine. And there's all these expectations about who you're going to be. And it's not easy. It's not easy being true to yourself. And it's particularly challenging because having a sibling with a serious illness, that's a fact. How that impacts the family can be just incredibly different. Of course. And you speaking of your truth has just given me immense insight because as you are aware, my middle child was diagnosed with cancer last year and we are still as a family going through, she has another her surgery in a week from the time of this recording. By the time this is posted, she will have been through the second surgery and she'll have three more after that. Wow. And the dynamic that you speak of, and I already see how with her siblings, and I'm like, oh, thank you for giving me that awareness, Sergio. That is a gift that you just gave to me. I am pleasantly surprised to to hear this um because i i mean if it's kind of shining light on a on a perspective of the people who are around the person who has this a, a certain illness right yeah you know it's not just the person who's suffering and going through it but the people who are around it and how this affects them and how in parenthood sometimes you invest so much energy and love and give all the care you need to the person who's sick but then what happens to your to your other children? You know, where is their mindset? Where is their, how are they feeling about this uh, situation themselves and how they have to navigate it and what they feel like they should do? Because for me, it was like, this is what I should do. And at the same time, with comments and societal norms, you take on these responsibilities of what you should be doing because of the pressure of, the, of that, right? The pressure of what your parents might tell you or my suggest because sometimes it's so subliminal it's subliminal the subliminal message of what the way you should act because of society because of um the the tradition because of religion because of all kinds of fingers pointing towards a direction and then you you're inside your internal compass starts to fluctuate in different directions and say which which how do how do I how should I really move and navigate this situation? Especially as a kid, as a child, you're and re regardless of of that age, even we tend to want to appease the people around us, and we forget about ourselves. But you know what? At some point in your life, you're going to have to face your own emotion and your own feelings and work through that situation that you are in or were in at a given point in your life and say, I was not aware of being of the necessities that I had for myself. And I had to make choices for, uh, for the sake of others. And there has to be like a, a balance because I can't really go back and, and talk to that to myself and say, think about yourself, forget about your brother, forget about your mother, forget about the, the needs of, of the family, because you're in that moment where I did have to grow up. I, I did have to 
be strong and put up with the pain that everybody was having, including my brother while he was suffering. So where do we draw the line of being true to ourselves and also being empathetic and honoring and respecting the pain of others and your family and the wishes that they have for you and for your family? The choices that we make when we're young, they are, we're, we're making decisions on how we're going to live our life and who we're going to be in our family with our seven-year-old brain capacity. And so when we look back at it decades later, I think all we really can do is forgive ourselves and say, yes, I created a world with the best skills and abilities that I had as a seven-year-old. I was a freaking rock star, man. Look at how I managed to help be the glue in the family, but now it's not serving me anymore. Now it's time for me to shed that and really go deep and see what's inside of me. That just tells the audience what immense pressure you were under to be the perfect son. This was totally unintended little sideline, but this <laughs> now, now I understand even more about your story because I didn't know that story. And so you come from an immigrant family, which has its own pressures right. often to conforming, fitting in, trying to, you know, make the best out of living in the new country. You were nine years old when you moved to America. You were not the only son, but you were sort of positioned as the perfect one. And then as you grew up, you were realizing that you didn't feel the way that the textbook perfect son, um, the type of life that maybe your parents were expecting. And, and it was a significant one. It wasn't just like moving out of the state or something. Do you want to share Correct. that story? Yeah, no, for sure. So what happens is that like all these layers are piled on to, to have you perform in life at times. It's not just like one side of, you know, uh, you have, in my case, I had my brother's situation. I mean, I had, you have to add on the fact that we're immigrants um, and not just immigrants from Canada to America, for example. It would be, it's like a whole entire language that it needs to be adapted. So that also created another layer of, of the stress of having to perform. And on top of it, my parents became born again Christians. Mm. And that changes the dynamic completely. And they had to tie themselves to a faith because of the um, circumstances that they were living under and the pressures. You know, when people go through hard times in their life, they can go to two directions. Either you tie your, down, yourself down to science or you tie, you tie your down, yourself down to, to faith. And my parents decided to go down a path of, of faith and place of religion that took them through the a very 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 conservative way of of seeing life and as a person that was developing in this circumstances and also being gay it was very very hard to conciliate all these all these things that i was experiencing specifically with the doctrine that i was given being being given through my childhood and adolescence, you know, I was the kind of kid that would preach in the pulpit. I was the one that uh, would be a leader in the youth group and go to camps and go to retreats and all kinds of stuff. So I was extremely involved because I was also putting on this like facade of, you know, the golden child. I see that. I can absolutely see how <laughs> <clears throat> we're going to 
to join, this becomes your community. Mm -hmm. This becomes your new community in a new country. Yeah, you have to be part of something. And and belonging is an essential part of us as human beings because it's ingrained in us. It's part of how our brain works. It's about safety. It's about security. It's our deepest need is to belong. I see you nodding your head. And so you try to mold yourself into a belonging even when it doesn't feel right. I just know that that happens to so many of us. So many people. Because it's a natural thing to need. Yes. You know, we, we want to belong. But sometimes our surroundings do not necessarily match with our insides and the way we feel, the way our heart really can throb and, and glow. So by the time that I was a teenager and recognized and, and found out that I was not like the other kids and that I was gay and that I had sexual attractions for men, that created incredible conflict for me mm. in my mind. And coming out becomes in this at this moment becomes more about coming out to yourself and accepting yourself than coming out to whoever is around you. At least for me, because I was so convinced in the doctrine that I was that I was given. The deconstruction of my faith was one of the hardest things that I had to do on my own. You know, it wasn't necessarily for me, it was easy to say, I'm moving to New York because we lived in Florida. My parents still live in Florida. So it was it wasn't hard for me to say I, I'm leaving. It was hard for me to accept that what I was taught is in my reality. It is in my mm -hmm. truth. So by the time I'm in New York, I spent an extra two to three years understanding and coming to the conclusion of who I was, of who I am. And giving up a lot of ways of and thoughts that did not serve me. And then eventually you have to confront these things to the people that love you and the people who want to see you be a certain something, which were my parents and which was the community that I was part of. So for me, it was, it was hard to break my parents' heart, but it was harder for me to break seeing that my heart would be broken many, many times. I fell in love with a boy early on in when I was in <laughs> New York and I broke his heart and I broke my own heart because I said, this is not correct. The Lord doesn't see this in, with good eyes and we're going to go to hell if we continue this relationship. And I broke his heart, broke my heart, and then we separated. And then little moments like that just start to accumulate and just eventually something has to give. You know, you're, you're, you break your own heart, you break people's hearts, you, you know, you're going to break your parents' heart. But when do you choose yourself? When do you choose to, to really face that part of your true desires and needs in your nature? And I say nature because coming from a very <laughs> religious and Bible-centric um, environment where, where I was raised, they talk about, you know, you can't go against your nature. But the truth is that my nature is to be a gay man. So am I really going against my nature if I am neglecting that I feel the way that I feel? Mm -hmm. It's really <laughs> a mindfuck. <laughs> Can I go back to you said that before you could come out to anybody else, you have to come out to yourself. Immediately, as soon as you said that, I thought to myself about ending a 22-year marriage and how the hardest thing was actually being open with myself and saying, yeah, it, it's over. That was, yeah. that was the hardest. Right. And when you said, but the first step was actually 
to come out to myself. And you have all those pressures of being the golden child, being the one that the family's hopes are on, being in a very conservative religious community that you are an active participant in. That must have been so incredibly challenging and scary and really scary. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it gets dark because you are looking at yourself and saying, "I am failing everyone," and I'm even feel and, and you feel like you're you even lied to yourself, and you lied to everyone around you. This is what it's your mind is telling you at that moment. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have to face the truth, and it's not necessarily about coming out because you're gay. Like your situation, you have to come out to realize that this relationship is not working anymore. You come out to yourself by saying, this job is not working for me anymore. And I have to accept it. I have to accept that this way of me living by putting this kind of stuff in my body, it's not where it doesn't serve me anymore. You have to come out to yourself and accept the truths. Because if you don't do that, how can you be truthful to to the people that you love? Because one of the biggest things that kept me so long in the closet, and by me saying kept me long in the closet is mean by me lying to my parents. Because in reality, everybody else, some people knew, some people didn't know, some people didn't care, some people cared. But it was to those people that you really love the most or the person that you're having that relationship with. Because this is this was a parent-to-son re- uh, relationship at this point, right? You're I'm dealing with having to face my truth and then to tell the truth to my parents. So by the time that I'm you know, trying to face my own personal truth, if I can't tell myself this is who I am, How can I tell the people that you love what you are, what you really are? So I'm going to ask a question and it's going to be a hard one. How, how did it go when you told your parents? Um, (laughs) It it, it went as, as as someone would expect that it would go uh, when you tell something like this to someone so religious and so, you know, stuck in their ways. The interesting way thing is that my parents are people who are smart, you know, they're educated, they're scholars, but at the same time, they had this, they have this way of seeing life that's not acceptable. And a lot of it comes from a place of, of ignorance because, uh, for example, one of the first things my mother asked me when I said that, when I told her that I was gay is that if I want to be a woman, it's, and, and I, and I say that it's ignorance because it's two different things, you know, being transgender and being gay. So there's so many fears and so many things that people don't know about sexuality and gender that it puts their mind into a mode of overthinking of just taking information from what they've seen, what they've learned from society and skews their perspective. So I think they, they were, they were very afraid. They were very angry they felt lied lied to as well. And the story was basically me disappearing after, you know, I was already living here in New York. I think it was 2012. And I had made a trip to Puerto Rico and, you know, I was still in college. So you maintain a communication with your parents constantly as in the first few years, uh, at least I, I did. And then by the time I disappeared for like two weeks from, from the communication that I had with them, they started to worry and they I started asking me where I was. I had flown to Puerto Rico to get an strength to tell them <laughs> that I was gay. You know, I was looking for a 
kind of retreat of my own to come forward. And when I did, and I was when I was about to tell them, I have confined with a friend of mine, the parents of a friend of mine that I had in Miami, who were also friends of my family and my parents, and she actually outed me before I spoke to them. So oh. I didn't really get a chance to tell them that I was gay. Someone else told them for me when I trusted in them to be respectful enough to give me the opportunity to do that. So it was hard. It was really hard for them to to see that. And things have changed over the years in the way that they see things. They still don't accept it. They still say that, you know, that's not natural, that that's not the way that God intended things to be. So that uh, puts you in a place where there are certain topics that are not touched on. And it's interesting. It's interesting because one thing was me coming out and another one was also telling them that I was in a stable relationship and that I was united with this person that i was going to move in with them that i was going to marry them and it's like another hit for them you know it's another um hard moment so coming out and also i guess getting married they were both painful for them and i can't really say which one was the most but um you had to choose yourself at some point especially when it comes to these things about life you know because one of the things that they would say is why are you doing this to us i'm not doing this to you I don't go out of my way to make your life miserable. I'm just living my truth. Yeah, you're doing it for you. Right. You're not doing it to anyone. You're doing it for you. And one thing I hear from you right now is you had a close and loving relationship with your parents and their fear because of their beliefs around God's will and sexuality and, and all of that mm -hmm. made them really fearful. And now you keep a part of yourself almost hidden from them, not hidden, but you, they can't, they can't experience all of you and all of your beauty because they still deny the part that offends their beliefs. I want to say that I'm not really hiding. I don't really hide anything from them. They know very clear, very well how I live my life and who I live it with. Mm -hmm. And anybody that sees my social medias, they, my parents see it too. You know, like I live mm -hmm. very openly and they have learned to respect it because here's, here's what happens. Um, we are now at a place where they can respect my my life um, choices and my being. And in their perspective, they don't accept my lifestyle. Mm. This is not a lifestyle. You know, <laughs> this is just what I am. <laughs> so we can coexist in the same space. My parents have met Paul. My parents have come to my apartment. They've, they've stayed. We've watched TV together. We've had holidays together. But they will never be able to see my relationship with Paul as spouses, you know, they just can't compute um, that information because of their own beliefs. Do they see it? Yes. Do they, can we share time together? We do. And that's the beauty of this, of this, of the love we have cultivated at this point, because even though it was hard for them and they still don't accept it for what it is, the love that we have for our, our family and the, the relationship that we want to keep is stronger than having to disagree on these things. They want to keep me in, my, in, in their life and I want to keep them in, in my life. So they know, you know, and I, I still talk to my parents every week and we, we have a great communication, but certain things are just not going to change my mind. And 
they're not going to change theirs. And that's fine. We had to come to a conclusion for the sake of being in each other's lives. Mm -hmm. There's no changing their perspectives on what will be of my afterlife. Mm -hmm. To this day, they still say, and if we touch the subject, their answer to what they think of my relationship is still going to be the same. To us, they're friends that share life. They will never see us as spouses. They can never accept the fact that we are any kind of relationship aside from a friendship. It's very interesting. <laughs> but it's also very beautiful that you are in a place, because not everybody is in that same place, but it's really beautiful that you say you still have a loving relationship. Yeah. They see things their way and you accept and don't try to change them. And they still, they see and love you, even though they disagree. Mm -hmm. And you choose to, for some people, maintaining the relationship isn't an option. Correct. But for you, that you're able to maintain boundaries for your own mental health, the health of your relationship is a beautiful thing. I think it's unfortunate when some people can't have. Yeah, I feel like that. part of the, the spiritual work that my parents do on their own allows them to uh, keep the relationship as well mm. because they're at a place where finally i have to say it's just like if you find there was a period in our relationship where i, ha I was saying if you find yourself so religious is so christian what would christ do you know what would jesus do and it, it's really them letting go mm -hmm. of their expectations so they let go of me and say you know this is on the hands of god you know this is on to their to their person if i put myself in their shoes right in their own in their religious faith and all that they come to a place where they, they have given it out to god mm -hmm. for whatever it's gonna be of my life and at the same time i have to accept that that's the way that they think you know we profess and we talk about so much about people living their own truths but if you are gonna talk about living your own truths you have to allow others to live their own truths as well exactly and respect that yes because i'm not gonna change my parents you know this whole thing of like oh they're christians no they read the bible they're gonna say all these things to you close the door on them too because we close as the other direction of liberalism and all of that just goes to like okay close the door to the christians close the door to the person that who thinks conservatively I can't really do that. I want to be open-minded about my own life and I want everybody to accept me. I have to accept that they believe in a God, that they want to see their life in a certain way. And I have to accept and respect that. We want respect from the world. We should respect the person that has their beliefs. There's no conversation if the door is closed. And that's the beauty of the loving relationship that you have maintained with healthy boundaries around how you will be treated and what to expect. So you can have dinners, sit all together on the Chesterfield and watch a show. You can have them over. That's just such a beautiful thing when you know that has stretched them, mm -hmm. that has stretched them to grow and see things differently than what they expected. So in many ways, you've given them more gifts. I like to think so. <laughs> I have one final question for you, and that is, if somebody was listening to this podcast right now, and they were struggling inside with themselves about telling their family, maybe they also are gay or queer or bi or trans or anything, and they're struggling to share with their family, what would you say to that person? 
that's loaded. Um, yeah, it so is. So many things that could be said. <laughs> so many things that could be said because it becomes extremely personal and something that's very subjective to their own experience. You know, depending on the situation that they're in, we have to think about, are you a person that is young and discovering yourself? Or are you are you a person that's older that already has a full established life with a spouse? And then you, rec- you start to recognize that you have certain feelings. In first place, you have to be honest with yourself of what you are. And in second place, you have to communicate. Well, you don't have to. I hate even saying that people should do whatever. I think it would be a suggestion to more keeping a, a line of communication open with the person that you love and you care for that you know that it would be important to them. And not just the communication, because we can talk a lot, but it's about comprehension and understanding and, and also premising you know, your conversations with having them put themselves in a place in your place in your situation in the situation that they're living because they you want to be able to see you with empathy and love because these things these truths can be very painful uh, to people i guess i should ask you because i haven't lived this experience i don't want to speak or direct anyone but i Mm -hmm. uh, like my my gut is telling me who are you and honor that and whether you tell anyone else or not is your choice but as you're speaking i'm thinking but make sure that you're safe. Make sure that your right. physical and mental health are safe when you disclose. That doesn't mean that there won't be anguish around expectations that have shifted, mm-hmm. but your physical safety is paramount. And whether this could result in some emotional abuse. Outburst of, yeah. yeah. To, to take those into consideration and maybe seek support from somebody that that knows you. It's just so yeah. awful that somebody outed you. I'm just thinking, you know, those are some things that are popping into my head. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be advising. What do you think of that, though? No, I think it's absolutely right. I mean, especially when you are, if you are coming from a place where you know that you could be in danger physically of, of any type of abuse, finding people who could support you that could have a similar way of seeing life or someone you could uh, reach out to groups of people, community. Um, like we said earlier, you know, it's about that belonging. Mm, yeah, you know, feeling like you belong to something because there's nothing harder to do than to try to face something like this on your own and feeling like there's no one going to be on your side. And your mind can tell you that your specific circumstances, no one has them, but there's people that have lived similar situations that you can come close to, that you can reach out to, and be frank with them and be honest, even if it's hard for you to accept those truths yourself. Mm-hmm. And eventually this is a process, you know, I, I did not come to the place that I am now of accepting myself and living the life that I live with my partner out of a conversation. It was years of accepting, of reading books, of listening to other people, of understanding the history of other people who have the same feelings. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like part of understanding for me the strength that i have in pride is understanding how far for example this community has grown to be in the history that we have the pains the struggles of queer people throughout the years and how marginalized they have been you know when i see movies and documentaries of riots of stories of of community you start to become stronger through that because you see that there's people out there that have gone through worse than you. Mm-hmm. And, and that gives you strength. And that you are part of a community. Right. 
you might feel alone, but reaching out and being a part of that community because you're not alone. Of course. Because you're never alone. Correct. Thank you, Sergio. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your story and your wisdom. It's challenging to talk about our true inner being when it's different from what our community or our family wants to hear. But that's so important to be honest with ourselves so that we can live to be our best and most beautiful self. So thank you. Thank you. And now for the recap. Beliefs are established at a very young age, and it's really interesting how subliminal messages can be interpreted by us when we're young. I thought this was a really valuable takeaway because so many of us, we can look back and think, what was it that we needed when we were young that we didn't get? Or what role did we play in our family? What did we view our role as being? In Sergio's case, He interpreted that as he had to be the perfect child. He had to bring peace and joy and harmony to his family, and that weighed heavily on him, and that was an added pressure when he realized that the essence of who he was, how he walked through life, was as a gay man. Sergio is the essence of courage. He chose to follow his heart, even though his surroundings were pushing him in a different direction. He was deeply committed to his Christian beliefs, and he needed to deconstruct the beliefs in his own words, to come to peace with who he was and to be able to live authentically. A key point he made was that you need to be able to come out to yourself before you can come out to anyone else. And I think that that doesn't just apply to people who are gay, queer, bi, trans. It applies to all of us. We have to be true to ourselves and have a depth of understanding before we can communicate that to others. And finally, what happened to Sergio, how he was outed, that's not okay. If somebody confides in you under no circumstances, can you break that confidence without their permission? Everything will unfold in the time and when that individual is ready. And the best that any of us can do is to be an ally, to fight to create a world where saying who you are doesn't put you at risk, where saying who you are isn't a scary thing, where children can grow up knowing that who they are on the inside is okay. Much love to you all, and I hope you have a beautiful week.